Thanks for listening to the Unlocking Athletes podcast, presented by the EAX Athlete Academy, where we dive into youth sports and everything that comes with it. I'm your host, Nate Woodruff, Athlete Academy Director and General Manager of Evolution Athletics Gym in West End, North Carolina. All athletes have a secret superpower at their disposal. Ask elite athletes in any sport and you'll hear about this same power. What's ironic is it's probably the most underutilized tool that athletes use. We're talking about recovery. Today on the podcast, I'm privileged to have Jen Palin. Jen is a massage therapist living in Richmond Hill, Georgia. She's the owner and operator of Headstrong Massage, a company which she started and built from the ground up to help athletes in all walks of life get the most out of their bodies by increasing their ability to recover and give back to 100%. On top of being an entrepreneur, Jen is also a former Division I athlete, a mom, a coach, and still an athlete herself. Throughout this discussion, in addition to the importance of recovery, we talk about the challenge of teaching female athletes about the importance of strength training, both physically and mentally. Finally, we get into the balance of parenting and coaching and how to get the most out of younger athletes. I hope you enjoy episode six of Unlocking Athletes. So today we are privileged to have Jen Palin with us, um, former um, massage therapist here at Evolution and recently, I guess not recently anymore, but um, moved back to Georgia with her husband um, near the Savannah area, owner and operator of Head, still Headstrong, right? Headstrong Massage? Yeah, still Headstrong. Nice, nice. Um, so yeah, so doing her thing down there. Um, excited to have her on. She's also a mother of two girls that are athletes. Um, travel coach as well. So we're going to kind of get some perspective on what that looks like and uh, from the coaching perspective and also the mom perspective and excited to kind of hear her thoughts on that stuff. So uh, just kind of talk a little bit first about, you know, your sports background, kind of growing up through high school, college, um, what you do now athletically and kind of what you got or what got you into the massage therapy world. Definitely. Um, so I grew up a competitive dancer, actually, um, and a travel soccer player. So I had two ends of the spectrum. I think it was more so to make both parents happy. <laughs> um, and I just fell in love more so with soccer. So I went on to play in high school, but blew out my knee my freshman year, um, but still played sophomore, junior, senior. Um, and then went on to play only one year at Ball State University in uh, Muncie, Indiana. So um, didn't last past a year only because I was ready to come home. I wasn't loving the distance between me and the family. So came home, but still went back to community college and such. But yeah. Okay. Um, where where did you grow up? Like, how far were you from Ball State? Uh, it was about four and a half hours, but I was the oldest kid. So I think my sister being eight years younger than me, and I at that time was able to kind of start coaching her recreation. Um, and so I wanted to do that rather than go to school. School was not my top priority. I just wasn't into the studies at that time. So. Okay. Um, so what kind of, what got you into the massage therapy world? Was it just from playing sports and being injured and like seeing some of that PT world or like what, what kind of got you into that field? 
Oh, all of the above. So originally when I went to Ball State, I wanted to teach PE because I think every female <laughs> wants to teach physical education. <laughs> um, so I wanted to teach PE and then ended up interning at as an athletic trainer um, and really liked that side of things. Um, I liked the athlete recovery side, basically. Um, but long story short, my grandfather got really ill and I came home and was able to be with him during his treatments and saw that he had a massage therapist always come in and kind of on the relaxation side, which those of you that know me, I'm not a relaxation massage therapist, <laughs> but um, on the relaxation side it, side, it just made him much more like level and more at ease. And I liked that side. So he was kind of my why. He was kind of what inspired me to go back to a trade school and go for massage therapy, which at that time, massage therapy was very competitive in Chicagoland. So it was about a year and a half long for school. Um, you were taking classes with nurses because you were learning things like pathology and kinesiology. Um, but anything that you learned in the basic school, and it's still like this now, is not sport-minded. It's not recovery-minded. It's just the basics, and that's just a Swedish massage. You dabble in prenatal, you dabble in little things and learn how to stretch people, but it has nothing to do with sports and athletes. You have to go past that, past your regular right. schooling. Okay. Um, gotcha. So kind of got into it through there um, and then opened up your own uh, practice at some point, right? When did, when did that start? Yeah. So when I was living in North Carolina, I was working for a chiropractor. Um, really liked that side. It was a little more medical side, um, but still was finding my niche when it came to, um, I was running a lot at that time. I had started running and was kind of talking more and more to the running and the triathletes. Um, my kids were just dabbling in sports, weren't really there yet. So um, I just really, really threw myself into wanting my own business and wanting to really get into the recovery side for our military, recovery side for the athletes that I knew were CrossFitters. Um, and business that I started at my own house then became something big enough that I was able to, all right, I'm ready to rent a space and let's see what happens. Yeah. Yep. And that's where we met. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So I, it's a, it's an interesting field. Um, it's something I think that is starting to be like much more on the forefront as far as recovery goes. I think for a long time, athletes didn't really worry about recovery. It was all about just like train harder, train harder, train harder. Um, and I think now the elite athletes for sure are starting to understand like the recovery is actually the key to it right? Like the quicker that I can get recovered and be ready full speed for my next training session, like that's, that's the key to it. It's not just killing yourself in one training session and then trying to do it again the next day. It's like, if I can get back to a hundred percent or close to that, then I can have another better training session. Does that make sense? Definitely. Definitely. I will say I am still trying to break the barrier of the stigma of massage. Um, definitely down here. It's very different from North Carolina. 
when it comes to your clientele base. Um, and the stigma is always like, oh, I just, you know, I don't know if she can actually do what I need her to do. And uh, I don't know if it's going to be beneficial and they want quick fixes. And it's just mm -hmm. not like that. Like it takes time, just like physical therapy takes time. Um, and it, there is so much more to massage than cucumbers over your eyes and laying there and just enjoying it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I am not the fluff and buff girl. I am very, as my name says, I'm headstrong. So I'm all about making sure that the athlete is going to feel something during their service, after their service, and then be able to apply it into whatever they're doing. Yeah, no, I love that. Um, yeah, like I said, I think that's that's a big key now. You're starting to see it, certainly at the professional level. Um, I think, I mean, Tom Brady probably brought the most light to to that, I think, um, which I'm sure you don't enjoy. Um, but I'm, <laughs> I'm sure he's like, he, I think he's kind of the guy that has, has started to bring that to light a little bit more um, just with the longevity of his career and the things that he was able to do. Um, and then now you're starting to see it at the college level. Um, you're starting to see these facilities that are that have massage therapists. You're starting to see um, all these types of things with special forces. And now it's trying to get into the big army. Like those are, I think those things are starting to come through a little bit more. Um, I would love it if it somehow got to the high school level. Um, we're spoiled here because we have that. You know, we have physical therapists on site. We have massage therapists on site and have ever since I've been here. Um, so we're a little bit spoiled in that in that aspect, but I think it's something that's, that's hugely valuable. Um, especially it, like, even though these high school kids are like recover so much faster than adults, obviously, um, like they're also putting more stress on their body than adults for the most part, right? These guys that are playing right. two and three sports, um, could definitely benefit from, from some extra recovery help for sure. I will say football is huge down here as Georgia. Georgia Bulldogs yeah. apparently is huge. <laughs> I will say the high school, the high school parents, I work on a ton of high school football players down here. It's That's very crazy. different from what I saw up there. I wasn't seeing, seeing a ton of high school athletes. It's more the college athletes, but mm -hmm. um, definitely a lot of high school down here. That's great. Yeah. I'm, I, I think it's common. Like, it, it, it's always a trickle down, right? Like Georgia, Texas, California, like I'm sure that those places are probably doing those things because they're elite programs and that's what elite right. programs right. should be doing. Um, you know, and eventually it'll, I think it'll trickle down and just, like you said, it's going to take some time, but um, cool. We'll talk about kind of what you're doing now athletically. I know you, you train um, and we've talked about some training stuff for you and different races and stuff that you're doing. Um, so talk about kind of what your training looks like and, if kind of what, what you're doing on that side. So I call myself a runner, but <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not sure how much of a runner I really am. Um, I love to train for a certain race though, at least once or twice a year, uh, as long as injuries allow, which truly strength training has helped dramatically. I haven't been able to um, run a race pain-free since hip surgery in 2018 and finally I'm able to do that and it's been such a game changer for me uh but yeah so just picking out races and typically I like the half marathon distance but I shoot for a full marathon once a year um yeah but other than that like I crossfit and I'm 
personal training people now. And there's just a lot of different things that I'm dabbling in. And I think it's only because there's so many golfers around us too. So I've even taken a couple of golf lessons. Like I want to know all the different sports so that I know how to work with those athletes. So I kind of dabble in everything. I feel like, um, am I above average in anything? No, but I like to think that I'm pretty level playing field with a lot of things. So, yeah, yeah. no, I love that. Uh, I, I like doing kind of the similar thing, right. Is getting, getting an idea of what all these sports, um, like what the demand is on the body of all these different activities and sports that people are doing just for the same reason. So that I know how to train them better. Right. And just being able to understand the skills and the, the kind of attributes that you need to be successful in whatever sport. And the only way you, not the only way, but the best way for me to understand that is to try to do it. You know? So I think that's, I think that's got a lot of value. That's cool. I mean, um, I have one daughter that's attempting to play a little bit of tennis. I've never played tennis before, but hey, I will go out there and attempt it. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, cool. Well, let's let's kind of dive in. Uh, in addition to obviously being an athlete, uh, we mentioned you a mom to two beautiful young girls that are at both athletes. Um, so I guess talk a little bit about how you taken some of the things that you learned as an athlete and kind of put those into being a mom and uh, being a parent. Sure. Um, so I grew up with super strict parents and I guess that's pretty much how I parent my own kids as well. Um, I'm lenient on some things, but school always comes first. And the girls are, uh, especially my one starting middle school this year. Um, if your grades aren't up, you're not playing. And I, fought that with myself really hard this past season. Uh, my older one was struggling a little bit in math and I knew she had a math test in two days. And I said, well, you're not practicing tonight. And she's like, no, but then if I don't practice, I'm not going to be good. And I was like, oh, but if your grades aren't up, you're going to be benched anyways. So yeah, it was always very much instilled that school comes first and foremost. So that that was a big thing for me. For sure. Yeah, and that's that's certainly something that you learn as an athlete very quickly. Um, certainly at the high school level, but especially at the college level, I'm sure um, you know that was hammered home to you when you got to freshman camp at Ball State. And um, I know it was the same way for me when I when I got to college playing. It was like if you don't if you don't have a grade, you don't play. It's not an optional thing. It's not a hey, let's try to get it fixed. It's a automatic. Um, yep. So yeah, so I think I think that's huge, and just building that habit early, I think is is awesome, um, right? Like, there's no eligibility for a middle schooler, but for you to be able to build that habit with her now, like understanding the value of having education first, and understanding that like, hey, this this is the priority. It's always going to be the priority. I think just building that habit early is is huge. Right, definitely, I I totally agree, and. Um, you know, I have two very different kids. So one that absolutely loves school and one that it is like pulling teeth to get to school. So, and she is my struggle boss. She is my one that will put up a fight, but I feel as though if you teach them the responsibility, you know, they come home, they make their own lunches for the next day and they're preparing for the next day. Um, they know that schoolwork is immediate 
And then after that, if they have some downtime before practice or they have some downtime the rest of the evening, they can take that downtime and I'm totally okay with it. But the other stuff comes first and foremost. Yeah, absolutely. Setting, setting priorities. That's huge. Um, yeah. So, you, I mean, you mentioned it, both your girls are athletes. Like, do you feel like that came pretty naturally to them just because like mom was an athlete? So like we play sports or was that something that you had to kind of force them to do? Cause that's pretty much what I'm doing with mine. <laughs> um, so, I mean, how, how did that kind of start with them? Um, I never forced it. It was never a force for sure. Not soccer. I funny story. My kids didn't even know I played soccer till they started playing. I didn't want them to feel as though if I, oh, well, mom played, so I, I have to play soccer. I didn't want that to be the case. I think my biggest thing was as long as you were active, if you wanted to go for a run, if you wanted to bowl on the bowling team, as long as you were active, that's all that I wanted. Um, I will say uh, their dad is extremely active as well. So that kind of helped in retrospect. He always wanted a ball near them. Some way, shape, or form, a baseball, a softball, a basketball, a football, some ball near them at all times. <laughs> I feel like that's how they learned to crawl, was to chase a ball. <laughs> um, right. But again, they're very different personality and skill-wise. So forced, not really. Do I feel as though one is still trying to find her way? Yes. Um, and it kills me a little bit because she is super skilled when it comes to soccer. But I don't know that her like love and her passion is totally there. So it's something that I feel strongly about when they're this young. They should be trying all the different sports still. You shouldn't have to solidify to one certain sport until you get to high school. But... Yep. Um, and even in high school, you could still do different sports all at once, but just really have the love and passion for one of the sports. Yeah, no, I love, I, I love that. I think mine are the same way. Um, my youngest is like, like you said, kind of struggling to find her way a little bit and we're trying to, we almost have to force her to do stuff, um, yeah. now. And it's, but it's, it's stuff like once she starts it, she loves it. It's just like getting her there is the struggle um yeah she wants yeah. to go she wants to go play golf all the time but then when it's actually time to go she doesn't want to go so it's like all right well we're gonna go and then when she gets there she loves it um but she's the same way like she is probably more naturally like i don't know i don't want to say athletic because they're so young but like she moves a little bit better than my older one yeah um i don't know why that is i think maybe just because they've seen it longer and they've been able to observe um you know the older one and kind of what they do but but yeah it's it's the same way um but i feel the same way like i i want mine to do everything um yeah. like lila's yeah. been in dance she's been in basketball she's been in soccer she's been in swim um like i i want her to do everything um and then like you said you know when they get to you know late elementary middle maybe we narrow it down to two or three Right. And then when we get to high school, maybe we narrow it down to two or even one, depending on how much you love it. Um, you know, but I think there's so much value in being able to do as many things as you can um, early on. Right. Just to build that skill set and that kind of base level of athleticism. Yeah. I mean, monkey see, monkey do. Right. And my younger one, 
is the type that you can teach her a skill and she will do it and do it and do it and do it for an hour, right? Whereas you teach the same skill to the older one and her patience is just next to none. <laughs> so she will like do it once or twice and then it's, I can't do this. And I was like, all right, well, you keep saying you can't and I'm just gonna keep making you do it. <laughs> right. Um, whereas my younger one, we have a game room at this cabin that we're staying at right now and there's a pool table. And so in between every time we were hitting the ball, we used the pool or um, yeah, the pool stick and we were doing like front squat and a back squat and a deadlift. <laughs> and she was doing them and I was correcting her, her every single time and she would then correct herself. And it's just repetitive nature, I feel like for the second one. Yeah, that's 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 great. That's funny because mine are the opposite. Like my older one is is that way. If I teach her something, she will go and practice it forever. Like she played. So example, I, I may have said this on the podcast before, but she she played <laughs> basketball this year for the first time. Um, not overly skilled. I told their coach, told her coach that I was like, listen, she's not gonna be the most skilled kid you have, but I promise you, she'll do exactly what you tell her to do. Yeah, um, and she does. And so first game we go out there, maybe it was first practice. Anyway, first time she was in the gym, they're doing shooting. And she's like just physically not strong enough to shoot the ball to the rim. She just, she can't get it there. She's shooting as hard as she can. And they play on an eight-foot rim for some stupid reason um, for like five-year-olds. Like they can't – they're going to throw it at the rim. Like <laughs> what are we doing? That. Yeah. Right. Um, anyway, so – she comes to me after the game and is in tears and because she's the only one that can't get it up to the rim. So we talked about it for a minute and I was like, well, what do you think you need to do to be able to get it there? And she was like, well, I need to get stronger. And I was like, well, all right, well, how do you get stronger? She was like, I need to work out. And I was like, okay. So we start coming to the gym. She's doing like little dumbbell presses and stuff just to be able to like, it's not really helping her that much, but she thinks it is <laughs> right. Like mentally, you know, it's a placebo thing for her. She knows like, Hey, if I work out, I get stronger. Mm -hmm. Um, so we bring her basketball to the gym and I mark off like eight foot on the wall. I put a piece of tape up there and she would just sit there for like 30 minutes straight and just try to shoot it over that piece of tape over and over and over again. Um, and it was, it was awesome. Like I loved it. Um, yep. the other part of it was like, I was making her shoot the right way. Like I'm not, I'm not letting her throw it just to get it to eight feet. Like I want you to be able to shoot it correctly. Sure. So that's where I I'm a little stickler on that stuff, but, but it's the same thing, right? Like I taught her the skill and then she would just go and do it and do it and do it and do it until she got it. Um, yeah. whereas my younger one's just like your older one, like <laughs> if she tries it a couple of times and can't do it, no, she's done. <laughs> that's it. I'm We're going back. It. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's cool to see the, the differences in the two. I feel like if you could combine them, they could be lethal. Yes. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, you know, put some science experiment together and put them together, and they would be right? <laughs> a force. Um, cool. Well, speaking of that, like, so as a girl dad, right? Like, I I'm always trying to find ways to like. As a high school coach, I coach girls my whole life, so I know I kind of have an understanding of how to motivate them a little bit, um, and really just how to encourage them. So, one of the things that I try to do is encourage them to to be strong, to be tough, be brave. We talk about those things a lot. Um, are, are there some things that you do with your girls, um, you know, intentionally to encourage that or maybe some things that like 
coaches did when you were growing up that helped you or encouraged you? Like, what are some kind of things that you think about? Hmm. Uh, coaches nowadays are different than coaches back then. Um, and I have a tendency to be similar to the way that I was brought up and coached. Um, but I will say everything was always taught to me to, if you fall, you get back up. If you fail, you do it again. Um, and I am the type that's very cautious before I go and do something. Uh, if I know that I fell down the side of the mountain right there, I'm going to be super cautious while I'm walking past it to know that, okay, I got past it. All right, now I'll go back to doing what I was doing the way that I was doing it um, and yeah. know that I'm still committed and still content to be able to do it. Uh, but as I said before, I despise the word can't. And my older one, especially, she uses that word all the time. And it's more just, she. I feel as though she gets embarrassed because she doesn't catch on fast enough um, or doesn't catch on as fast as her sister or she wants to be able to do it the way that I'm doing it. Um, and so she automatically says I can't. And when she says she can't, I tell her, okay, I guess we're just going to do it for five extra minutes. Because in my mentality, you have to keep doing it in order to get better. That's the only way that you're going to get better. You have to keep doing math facts in order to memorize them, right? So yep. it's kind of the same exact thing. Um, but, you know, when I'm coaching the kids and if I'm going off of my own kids on top of my team that I'm coaching, I have some very skilled girls and then I have girls that are just straight up determined. And those determined ones might not have the skills that you need to get past somebody right away, right? But they have the determination. So they're not gonna back down, they're fearless. Yeah. Whereas then I have timid ones, like my younger one, who is just skilled beyond belief but she's terrified. And so there's not a lot of emphasis on really pushing to the extreme, really being aggressive. And so I usually tell her, you know, she's up against somebody really big. I'm like, don't fear that. Use your skill. You can outsmart her. You're faster than her, you know? So you just have to like bring it down. And before I exchange players or sub them out, I'm usually like, all right, you're going against, I don't want to go against her. I'm like, you will be totally fine. I'm putting you there because I know that you can get past that person. Yeah. So it's it's kind of playing to your kid's level. If I'm watching the game, I'm, yeah, I'm watching my team, but I'm watching more the opposing team to see what they're doing and what they're up to and where people are before I start putting my players out. So I, I think it's just playing to the way the kid is and what skill they have yeah no i i think that's i think that's hugely important to be able to understand like be able to meet them on their level um and understand what what motivates them right you i mean we've been talking a little bit about the difference in first child second child it's the same thing with the team right like there's always yeah. going to be there's always going to be, be people that are motivated by different things um so just understanding kind of where they're at understanding how to find that piece that that motivates them um and not right. just kind of be a blanket like 
blanket motivator, right? Where it's just, I'm going to say one thing and I hope everybody gets it. hope everybody's motivated by it. And it's just, it doesn't work that way. Um, and I think that a lot of times that separates good coaches and bad coaches. I think, um, I think bad coaches, a lot of times will just like, this is the way I do things. This is the way I've always done things. This is the way we're going to do it. Um, and it's, it just doesn't work like that. Like people don't work like that. Um, and it probably did 50 years ago, but I don't think it does today for sure. Right. Um, yeah. So let's kind of go into that code. You mentioned some stuff about your coaching. Um, knowing you, I know you're uber competitive. Um, <laughs> so I, I don't I guess, know what you're talking about. <laughs> and everything. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I guess the the hard part and, and something that I face here a lot is like I have a I have a pretty good crop of kids that are in like the nine to thirteen range, um, which is interesting. It's a group that I haven't necessarily worked with before, but over the last couple of years, like that's been a group that has kind of built um, built itself in the gym. So it's been an interesting transition for that. But I guess the hard part about it for me is I see a lot of parents that are so concerned with like winning this weekend tournament at nine, 10, 11 years old. And I get it because like you're competitive, coaches are competitive, kids are competitive, like you want to win. So, but the balance of like, yes, we want to win, but I'm also trying to develop this kid over a long period of time. Like this one weekend tournament when he's 10 doesn't matter when they're 16, 17, 18. Does that make sense? Like how, right. how do you kind of balance that? Is that something you think about or is that something that just you kind of naturally do or? Uh, uh, I'm going to be totally honest. I struggled with it last season. Um, we down in Richmond Hill, the girls program is not nearly as big as the North Carolina program from AC Sandhills that I came from. Um, and so it's definitely growing, but there's not, there's not a lot of competitiveness. And it's more so the players that are playing recreation. I can't tell if it's the parents that want them to play more. And so they have the, the kid try out for the travel team or if it's the kid that actually really wants to play more. Um, and so that was a struggle this past season because I felt as though the team was kind of thrown together and you were just hoping for the best, right? So we weren't winning a ton of games. And that's almost super discouraging for the kids. Um, so I actually just took a soldiers to sidelines course um, for soccer coaching. And one of the biggest things and takeaways that <laughs> kept instilling in my brain was it's just a game. It's just a game, just a game. And me as a parent, sitting on the sideline versus me as a coach it, it's it's a fine line it truly is mm -hmm. because especially the one that i was coaching last year i would sit on the sideline and watch the older one and her play with her team and then i would sit as a coach with my younger one and yeah. i would i would get really frustrated when the kids weren't doing what we practiced or they practice so well and it went so smooth during the scrimmage and then they show up to the game and it's like, they've never seen the ball before. 
<laughs> right. And it's so, yep. it's so hard and it's so frustrating. Um, but that was one of the things that I took away is that I have to remember that it's just a game and like, yes, they're playing to win, but I have to keep acknowledging the positives. They were, they were talking about, you want to shout the positives to them because the second they hear that perk of a positive, they're like, oh, I passed well. Oh, awesome. I got to keep doing it like this. So, yeah. um, and it's not that I was, so there's a difference between a female yelling on the sideline and a male yelling on the sideline. Males can yell gentle. Females, <laughs> I tell I tell my girls all the time, I'm like, okay, if you hear Coach Jen yelling, it's my mom voice. I'm not yelling at you. It's just my mom <laughs> voice to get it across the field to you. But, um, you know, they're pretty they're pretty great. I had of 14 girls, I have 12 coming back. So that's a huge turnover. And, um, for me anyways, progression wise. So hopefully it's a good season and we'll start stronger. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think that's, that's such a hard thing as a parent for sure, because it's like, yes, I want my kid to develop. Yes. I want him, you know, to be able to, to play, um, but it's also no fun to get their brains beat in every weekend, right? So there's like this balance of like, how do I make sure that I'm developing this kid and and teaching them the right things, but also like competing, right? And and there's some value in learning how to compete and learning that competitiveness and winning and losing. And like there's value in learning all those things um, while at the same time kind of keeping that long-term development in, um, in mind, right? And, and I've, I have such a hard time talking to to parents about that stuff that are so concerned with like the weekend tournament and the ref blew this call and it cost us this. And, and now they're giving out, you know, rings for these weekend tournaments, like to a 10 year old. And I'm like, what, what are we doing? <laughs> like, it's not that important. Like I, I would much rather you take coaching. It's like the part and yep. It's like the participation medals. Like yeah. why? Why are we doing this? That's not yeah. how it used to be. If you get a medal, it's because you were a top three, right? right? It should not be a participation badge because you participated. You should want to participate. So I have a negativity is only going to make them feel bad, right? So when they come off the field, I make sure that like I either kneel down on one knee and I'm down to their level or I sit down with them on the bench and I explain to them like, Hey, you did really well, but let's try and do it this way and try and make a correct move that in that direction. Right. But I do let them know also as a team at the end of the game, like if they lost and they didn't play great, I'm going to tell them like you tried. I realize that, but we have things to work on. Like I am not one to sugarcoat things and I'm not going to coddle you either. I'm not, I think a lot of parents these days want to know that their kid is doing phenomenal. And, you know, I have a, a parent that he thinks his player should be playing <laughs> top all the time. And I'm like, you're the player's not fast enough. Like we need fast players up here. This person yeah. would be really good at defense or, you know, and I'm not trying to create set positions yet. They're still at that level where they can try out different positions. But when I have somebody that is just clear cut, you should be up at the forward position. I'm putting you at the forward position. Like yeah. <laughs> there's no way for me to 
bring you back to defense right now. Yeah. So it's just, I'm not one, like I said, I'm not one to sugarcoat it, but I, I do understand. I, I am trying to like level with the player, like bring it back down. Like you did great. And here's something that you did do really well on, but here's something that we need to work on. So, yeah. Yeah. I think, I mean, that's, I think that's coaching one-on-one and whether it's like coaching kids, whether it's coaching, like you learn that at a, at a CrossFit coaching course, you learn that at, you know, to always like sandwich it, right? Like, Hey, you're doing really good at this. If we could just add this. You'd be even better. Right. And be right. able to kind of encourage that. Um, I, I love what you said. Always shout, shout positives. And that's something that I've, I've, I've always tried to do. I don't know that I've been a hundred percent at it. I'm, I know I haven't been a hundred percent at it, but I feel like I've always tried to like, if I'm going to correct something in a football game on a basketball court, baseball field, whatever, like, I'm going to scream positives or scream like pertinent information they need to know right now. But if I'm going to get on a kid, typically I'm waiting for them to come to the sideline and I'm whispering that, right? Like I'm not going to embarrass that kid. Um, but they also need to know that what they're doing is wrong. Right. Like, so it's, right. it's yell positives and whisper negatives, I think is, I think that's yep. a huge piece. Um, a huge piece. I love that. Yeah. Um, Cool. Well, let's switch gears a little bit. Let's kind of get out of the coaching realm. Um, both of us obviously are training. Uh, we understand the value of strength training, lifting, all those kind of things. I think one of the biggest struggles that I have is really getting middle school, high school girls in the weight room. And so, like, mm-hmm. I want to kind of talk with you about, you know, why is there such a, a bad stigma? Why do girls not necessarily not that, not all girls, obviously. Um, but I would say it's it's a pretty high percentage of especially middle school, high school girls that don't want to lift weights, right? They don't want to get, they don't want to whatever, bulk up, whatever it is. Is that something that that you think is getting better? And more importantly, how can we encourage our female athletes to to get into the weight room and start that training process? Yeah. Um <laughs> I was one of those girls. Um I didn't lift weights, I don't think, until I I was in college. And it was the bare minimum. It was whatever the soccer coaches wanted us to do. And it was to pack weight on. Because right. I went in as a 115 player and I came out as a 135 player. Like, I mean, I had to pack the weight on. And truly, it was fear. You didn't know that you were doing things correctly, one. Two there's such a stigma of like, and I still fight this to this day that I'm going to bulk up. It's not a bulking thing. I totally understand that. But in my head, especially back then, it was a fear. I didn't want to get to be this big old person. I knew myself as this tiny person. Right. Um, And now like, I think girls and they're training so much harder and they are lifting now the fear is supplementation now they think that they have to you know they see these extreme athletes taking all these things and so they think that they have to take all these things no you don't if your nutrition is great and you're sleeping well and you're recovering good and you're doing the strength training that you're supposed to be doing and not going above and beyond and going to the extreme and working yourself you know two three times a day you're fine. Like you're not going to like overdo it by any means. And you're not going to 
overload yourself and bulk up. But I think it is. I think it's getting better. But now there's the fear of supplementation. Like, do I have to take this? What do I have to take? And then, you know, yeah. I, I don't. My thing is, is that I had eating issues back then. So for me to pack on that weight for soccer, it was an extreme change for me on top of weightlifting. Now, when I look at it, I'm injury free because I'm weightlifting. So <laughs> it took me long enough to figure that out. But for sure, a thousand percent, I would say weightlifting is so powerful for girls and for their sport that they're doing. As long as they're training and doing their mobility and they're stretching like they're supposed to, to train properly, I think that you're only going to set yourself up for success. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think what's interesting right now is like, I don't have very many high school girls that will come in. I have some middle school girls that'll come in and then I have college girls that come in. Right. And so in my brain, it's like, all right, they don't really know any better as a middle school kid. Then they get to high school and they maybe it's that fear of bulking up or whatever it is. But then in college, they come back and they realize, oh, crap, like I really need to be strong. If I'm going to be competitive in a sport, I need to be lifting. Um, so you see, like I've got a college sprinter in here. I've got two. I got a college lacrosse player, college soccer player. Um, like they're all lifting and they're lifting heavy. Like they're doing things that elite athletes should be doing. Um, right. And and so one of the things that I try to like <laughs> that that stigma of getting too bulky, right? And I think CrossFit has helped helped in a lot of ways in that in that sense, but I think it also hurts in a way too, right? Like the girls that want to be strong and fit see that and are like, oh, I can do that. But then it's also like, dang, I don't know if I want to be that big, right? I don't know if I want to look like that. Um, and I think what people don't understand is like those people train six plus hours a day for six days a week, right? Like yeah. that's their sport. That's what they do. Like the only chance you're going to look like that is if you work for six hours a day, six days a week. Like that's not what we're asking you to do. Um, we're asking you to come in for an hour, maybe four times a week. Like that's what yeah. we're doing. Um, but yeah, trying to, trying to fight that stigma is tough and and i try to like instill that with my my little girls now is like it's okay to be strong like it's good to be strong you want to be strong because it, you can protect yourself and you can like protect your sister right like those types of things where we're just trying to build those habits of like wanting to be strong wanting to be tough right um and hopefully that you know carries over to when they're older yeah definitely that's the goal anyway um yeah, so that that's a big one. Like I said, that I that I try to fight here, and um, you know, I, I hope that I hope that it continues to get better. I think it is getting better. Like you said, I think there are more girls that are understanding that um, one, it'll just make them live a, a better life. Um, two, especially mm -hmm. if they're athletes, like it's keeping them certainly more injury free. Uh, we could get into stats and measurables about all those kind of things but i mean talk about acl injuries and all that kind of stuff that happens you know so much more common with females than than males um you know there's a lot of anatomical things that go on there but um but i think that's huge uh, well, i think cool. also let's, let's... that i think also really quick is that 
they think that they need to be like lifting the heaviest of heavy weights, right? And that's not like you can be strong and just doing more reps of something. Um, or you could even be doing body weight things and still be strong. Like there's just such a stigma I feel about that girls just are so fearful of. But I, I instill it with the girls all the time. I make even my soccer players do banded things all the time in our warmups just to like activate different muscles that they're not used to. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I mean, like I said, I think it's like we were talking about earlier, as long as you're building those habits, um, you know, the, the strength will come, the weights will come, like we'll be able to go heavy at some point, but like building that habit of understanding the value of strength uh, specifically for mm -hmm. athletes, obviously is kind of where, where we're speaking to, but I mean, there's, I've never talked to a college coach that said, man, I really wish she wasn't as strong as she is, right? Like no college coaches are yeah. saying that. Um, I have talked to a lot of college coaches that are like, man, we just gotta, we gotta get her stronger. We gotta get them stronger. We gotta do this. Uh, in a couple of years, they'll be ready to play because we'll be able to put some weight on. And it's like, you don't have to wait to college to do that. Like we can do that right. now. We can start that process now. Um, yeah, so that's, that's good stuff. Cool. Well, let's dive into a couple of fun questions to end it. Um, one of the ones that I that I think is huge, and and you're going to see this obviously as you continue to coach. Um, like, what what person or coach in your life, maybe outside of your family, had the biggest impact on your athletic career? I lost you. Oh, you, there? you might have to repeat that. <laughs> Uh, what what person, what person or coach outside of your family uh, had the biggest impact on your athletic career? You know, you stumped me on this when you <laughs> sent this one to me. Um, I had very proud parents, but they were not active. So my mom made sure that I made it to every dance last four nights a week. And my dad was at every single soccer practice, and he even helped coach at one point. Um, but I didn't really like have a standout person other than, um, probably not till high school. And he was my Dean and he, uh, ended up coaching the varsity soccer team as well. And he was with me when I blew out my ACL my freshman year. And he was like, Nope, you're going places. He's like, you're going places, We're getting you back on that field. Um, so he was super beneficial and that, like I said, that was Dean. Uh, my uncle played for the US in the 80s. So he was big in oh. my life when he was teaching me specific moves and he would kind of show up at practices, kind of coach every now and then, like he was like guest coach, you, you know, that the girls got really excited to see and stuff. Um, and he still plays to this day. He's in his fifth league. Um, but yeah, otherwise, like my parents were just super proud parents. I think they had bragging rights on me and my sister all the time. Like, but neither of them played soccer ever. So I don't, <laughs> I, I don't know where we got that side of our athleticism. But yeah, very cool. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I think. For me, it would it would certainly be my parents as well. Like they never missed never missed a game, um, never missed an event that I was at. Um, you know, so that's 
that's huge. That's something certainly that I'm trying to carry on with, with my kids. Um, it's probably going to be a little harder because I was an only child and I have three, so it's going to be a little bit more challenging. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's such an important piece of it. Um, coaching wise, I don't know, like I, I liked all my coaches, but I don't know that there's one that, like you said, that just kind of stood out and was like, this guy is why I do what I do now. Um, really until I got to college, um, my receivers coach in college was like that coach Crockett was a big deal for me. Um, just not even just like as a player, but just like as a human being, right. Being able to understand how to treat people, um, what it meant to be like a Christian dude in the world and like not be a weirdo, you know, like that was a big thing for me. Um, so I I think really until that, he was like the coach that kind of changed changed the trajectory of my life at that point. Um, but that wasn't until freshman year of college. I was already 18 years old at that point. Right. Um, well, and I only lasted that freshman year of college. So (laughs) (laughs) I can't really, I can't really say I, um, but yeah, I think my uncle and then my Dean in high school were probably the most standout. Um, but otherwise like I think I, I, because I was such a competitive dancer as well as playing soccer, I was just kind of all over the place. So no matter what, my parents were always there and they were always super, super supportive ones. I was going six days a week and they were always with me. Yeah. Yep. Same here. All right. Last question for both of us here. Um, I thought this was an interesting Mm -hmm. question. What is, or maybe are the sports that you wish you were good at that you are potentially not good at i know you're good at everything but try to narrow it down to the things you're <laughs> least good at uh, can i pick running no <laughs> um <laughs> so growing up you're gonna laugh at this maybe you won't um because i am so competitive but i was a big rollerblader Ooh, and okay. always played hockey and so my dad taught me i mean i was a stick handler like nobody's business but girls weren't allowed to play then. So he would always clear off my grandparents' lake from the snow and we would go and play ice hockey for hours. And so I think it was the gear and I got to wear a helmet and like, (laughs) I don't know, there was just something about it. But if I could go back, I would totally play some hockey. Yeah, I, f- I feel like you could have been on Mighty Ducks. I feel like you could have been next to Charlie <laughs> and- See, and that was one of my favorite movies ever. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I like that. Hockey, I was not going to guess that one for sure. No, what would you have guessed? I don't know, but it wasn't hockey. <laughs> that, that it was wasn't probably boxing. Was- it was probably boxing. You would have been like, yeah, yeah, she would have taken somebody out. Muay <laughs> Thai fighting, yeah. Um, what would I, you so have I, picked? Yeah, I thought about this for a long time. Um, I, the first one is just sprinting in general because I've always been slow. Um, You're so like tall. I'm, I know, but I, I think that's why I'm slow. Um, I've always like ran correctly. Like I've pretty, I feel like I have decent running form, but I've always been slow. My whole life, slow. Um, so just like being fast, I feel like that would have helped me in a lot of sports, obviously. Um, okay. Probably would have been a little bit better, better athlete if I was faster. But I also never worked on it, so I just expected to be fast and wasn't. Um, but I think the the actual sport, if I had to narrow down a sport, I think it would be tennis. Um, I, I'm terrible at tennis. Like that's the only, maybe the only sport that I've ever tried 
that I've been just awful at. And it's so frustrating because I don't think it's that hard. I have good hand-eye coordination. Like, I don't understand why I'm so bad at tennis. It's very frustrating to me. I'm probably just as bad. And that's just so. me being on the court. Nope, I'm, I, I miss the ball all the time. Which is so funny because with a baseball and a baseball bat, I could throw the ball up and hit with the bat, like no problem. So why can't I do that with tennis? I understand. And it's even a bigger yeah. with the it's practice. So yeah. Yeah. It's so frustrating. And I feel like it's such, like I see friends of mine that'll, that'll play that it seems like so relaxing. It'd be a good workout, get some good cardio mm -hmm. in. And I just, I'm so bad at it that I, A, it's not a good workout for me because it's like one shot and the point's over. I'm just going to go back and stand on the baseline again. Um, and B, I get so frustrated that I don't want to do it anymore. Yeah. yeah. You got to pick up pickleball. That's a thing now. That is a thing. That's a huge thing. They're building pickleball courts at, like, there's there's a huge pickleball thing at Pinehurst number six. And then they're building another okay. one at, like, the main resort area. Like a huge pickleball thing. Oh wow! Yeah, okay. yeah, it's super competitive down here. There's competitions. That's insane to me. Isn't it just like ping pong in a bigger court? I I don't know, Nate. I've never actually <laughs> seen it. <laughs> yeah, I feel like if I'm bad at tennis, I'm pretty good at ping pong, but I'm bad at tennis. So maybe that would be a good uh, a good kind of intro into tennis for me. I think it's the hand-eye coordination for me. I even ping pong, I'm not great at. I mean, there's some old fat people that are pretty good at pickleball, so I feel like, <laughs> I feel like I can slide in there and potentially use my athleticism to be successful in pickleball. Yeah, I I think you should be able to. Yeah. yeah. We'll look at we'll look into it. Find a tournament. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> That'll be my next training. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, we'll uh, I'll, I'll develop a training program specifically for pickleball. Um, pickleball. And we'll uh, we'll enter a tournament, a doubles tournament somewhere, and we'll go win it. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Good stuff. Well, Jenna, I appreciate uh, appreciate you coming on, uh, interrupting your vacation to jump on a podcast with me. Um, I'm sure we'll do it again at some point. Enjoy talking with you. And, um, yeah, we'll talk soon. Enjoy the rest of your vacation. Awesome. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. It was my first one. Hopefully it went good. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Unlocking Athletes podcast. If you liked what you heard, give us a follow, comment, and review. If you are or know of an athlete that truly has a desire to maximize their potential, please follow at EAX underscore Athlete Academy and send us a message. We do in-person and remote training for athletes in any sport and would love an opportunity to be a part of your journey. Until next time, be an example you want others to follow, be intentionally grateful every single day, and be the hardest worker in the room. Let's have a day.